Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. And I've decided I wanted to talk to you for a little while today about uh, failing in faith which is something none of us want to do. We want to, be, we want to fight the good fight of faith. We don't want to, to uh, fail in faith. And just, uh, just talk to you a few moments on this and, and uh, hopefully encourage you for 2024. And so in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, it says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So fight the good fight of faith. God, we just ask your blessing upon this word and upon this message today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So I told you I was going to tell you about some crazy stuff we see in church. Now, I've been uh, around the church a long time. uh, And being born and raised in a uh, Pentecostal church, I have seen and heard a lot of crazy stuff. And uh, many of you have too. There's several in here that I know you have been uh, in the church uh, and, and been faithful in the church for most of your, your lives growing up. And one thing that I noticed that was seemed to be, I don't know if it was this way in all churches. I can just talk about the churches that I w- had been to. But one thing that I noticed a lot as I was younger is that with Pentecostal people, they always want to fight. I don't know if you know that they're... they're the preacher, he gets up and he seems very upset. Like he, you know, we know he at least wants to fight the devil, and we're hoping that he finds him because the way that he's preaching, it kind of sounds like if he doesn't find the devil, he may want to fight us that are out there being, uh, you know, receiving the message that day. He just seems angry. Uh, um, you talk to a mom after service and asked her how service went, and she said, "I don't know. I had to fight youngins the whole the whole time." And and uh, people get up and testify about wanting to fight and. And just, uh, just different things. And some people, when they do start worshiping the Lord and, and they start to shout, they almost seem violent. And you're just wondering what's going on. And, and so I just began thinking of the crazy stuff that I had seen that kind of looked like fighting. And uh, this, this, when I was younger, kids today don't know what it was like. Because now when a kid cuts up in church, you... Can, if you are where you can see them, you'll look and the parents are getting nervous. You know, the kid, parents and the kid may make eye contact. Kid doesn't even slow down, but the parents look nervous. When I was younger, it was different. When you made that eye contact, the parent didn't get nervous. You did. Because uh, it was kind of, people did it a little differently, but most of the time you were going to get taken out to the bathroom you were going to get a spanking and you were going to come back in when your eyes all red and everybody in the church knew what had happened. And you had to still make that walk of shame back to your seat and sit down in the pew. Now that doesn't happen. It's different now. But there was a time, even in my, uh, my parents' time, 
And so I didn't even know what this was like. But if you cut up in church, somebody else would spank you. Your parent didn't even have to. And uh, but in my time, this was still where some moms, they had a lot of, people had a lot of kids then. And so they might not always be able to make that trip to the bathroom if they've got to bring three kids with them. So every now and then, a, a child would just get beat right there in the pew. It was just part of the service. You just kept going. The kid's just getting a spanking. You just got to go with it. Well, back then, we had three services a week minimum if we weren't in revival, which seemed like every other week. And all of them were long. They sang a long time. The preacher preached a long time, and the people who took up the offering, offering did a mini-sermon. The people who opened the service did a mini-sermon. And you were just there forever, it seemed like. And so back then, parents would uh, allow the kids, at least in the church I went to, we were allowed to lay down in the pews or under the pews. Um, I don't remember how old uh, when, when it wasn't allowed, but you know, some, of them, some of them were, they were doing it right on up. And uh, as long as you didn't make any noise, they'd let you lay down. So I'm laying down, so I'm, I'm, I'm young enough to lay down. But this was the day that I decided I was old enough to start sitting up in church. I'm laying in the pew, and the people in the pew behind me, this lady has about three or four kids, and she's just had a brand-new baby. Well, one of the kids is acting up, and so she's got, she's got too many kids to go take that trip to the bathroom. And, uh, and this kind of goes with fighting. So she, she, she was ready to fight this kid who was acting up. Uh, since she's got a new baby, she's a nursing mother, and she's wearing one of them uh, like maternity dresses for, for nursing mothers. I don't know if it's still called maternity once you've already had the baby or not. But Well, she just decides that she's going to just whip this kid right in the middle of service. And so I'm laying in the pew with a front row seat. And she starts whipping this kid. I mean, she's drawing back. Well, on about the second swing, she falls out of the top of her dress. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm just laying there. But this was a different time. This was a different way. And so I'm thinking, and the kid's probably thinking this beating's about to stop. It doesn't. She just keeps swinging until it falls back in. And... Uh, it, that kid may have even got an extra couple of licks to get her back uh, decent. And, uh, and I'm just sitting there thinking, somebody else had to see this besides me. Nobody ever admitted to seeing it, but I decided from that Sunday on, I'm just going to sit up and face the preacher and not lay down in the pew because you never know what's going to happen when you're in a church where everybody wants to fight. And then, so, as I sat up, I just started observing other people. I'm always looking around, and I would sit with my aunt because she would let us talk more than my mom. And my cousin and I are there, and we just watch people shout, and we would start laughing. And so, there was this older gentleman, and, you know, people, they did kind of dances. Some people would run. Some people would... Some people would just twirl around and stuff. Well, this guy, nothing moved from the chest down on him. He shouted. He looked like he was getting in a fight. He would just start doing like this all over the place. And we knew when it was coming because uh, he was like somebody, you know, in a sport or playing cards, how they have a tail sign. You can tell. 
he would start loading up his weapons. He would start doing like this. When he started doing that, you just, you just watched. And so I'm elbowing my cousin, and sure enough, he goes to, he goes to punch in the air, shadow boxing, and he comes about this close to punching his wife's nose. Well, he's in the spirit. He's not paying attention to anything. She obviously was not in the spirit, and she got very angry and pushed him. Why? He was still shouting. And me and my cousin are just dying laughing, and uh, my aunt gets on to us, and he was like, so even when people are worshiping the Lord in this church, they want to fight for some reason. Everybody's wanting to fight. And then we had testimony times, and we had to quit having them because people were crazy, and they tell crazy stuff. And so this lady, she starts telling the story, and they always they, they start talking about all the fighting they've been doing all week. I've been fighting the devil all week. I've been in spiritual warfare. I've been in this and that. And I know some people really have, but sometimes people just get carried away when they get a microphone. And this lady, she starts telling the story, and apparently she's just been fighting devils all week long at her house. And uh, now the, these devils are just playing with her. And she's up praying, walking the hallways while everybody in the house is asleep. And she walks by her kid's room, and her kid had this stuffed animal. I, I kid you not. And the stuffed animal, I'm not going to tell you what, car, what character it was because it's one that most people like. But she, I think she had one of those, had bought their kid one of those motion sensor dolls that starts singing and dancing. Well, it goes off for something. And she's convinced that she needs to fight the enemy, a battle for the doll or something. And she's telling this in front of the whole church. And uh, she keeps telling about how she's rebuking and doing all this and that about this doll. Now, I'm just a teenager, but I'm thinking she's crazy. And about uh, six months later, it came out to everybody that she apparently what was wrong that night, the reason she was up all night wasn't she was praying, she was on drugs. And uh, she had a, had a horrible drug problem that she had been hiding and, and, and the, the family had been hiding for her and, and all. And, but everybody's just looking around and some people were, you know, everything's a fight. And I don't, I've heard all kind of stuff and they're, they're saying they're going to fight the devil. They're going to they're gonna do this. They're going to do that. They're going to take this thing out and that thing out. But why is that everybody's focus? And without Jesus, you're not a match for him. So why shouldn't our focus be on staying connected to Jesus? Why shouldn't our focus be on being in His will? Not just focus on trying to fight somebody all the time, even if that person is Satan that you're wanting to fight. And, and with Jesus, it really doesn't make any sense looking for that fight either because Jesus has already defeated Him. Jesus has already taken away all of His power and authority. But you'll hear people talking about fighting this and fighting that and all these different things they want to fight and, and I know that we have battles that we have to face. I know that there's giants that we're going to take out. I know that we wrestle against principalities and powers of darkness and wickedness. I know that. I'm not saying we're not going to fight, uh, have to fight or ever have to face anything in life. But if you think about it, all of these things that we face, they're just attempts to get us to live our lives in doubt, in fear, uh, and in unbelief instead of living a victorious life of faith. And so in reality, the main fight or the only fight that we're called to fight is the good fight of faith. 
If we fight the good fight of faith, everything else will take care of itself. If you fight the good fight of faith, the giants are going to fall. If you fight the good fight of faith, the walls are going to come down. The victories are going to, are going to be there. But sometimes we're looking for so many fights, we forget about the one fight that we've been called to fight, and that's the fight of faith. And since there's a fight of faith, that means that there has to be enemies to faith. If there weren't any enemies, we wouldn't have to fight for it. It would just be there. And so we have enemies and we have hindrances to, to our faith. And so that's what I want to talk about. What are those things that cause us to fail in faith? Because we want to make sure that that doesn't happen to us. We don't want to fail in faith. We want to fight the good fight of faith and experience the victories that God has already provided for us to walk in. And so the first thing that causes us to fail in faith is a failure to understand what it means to be a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so when we don't understand this, when we don't understand what it means to be a new creature, a new creation in Christ, it will hinder your faith. It's just going to. And so many people, they don't realize that they're actually a new creation because they just think that when they were saved, God forgave them for bad stuff that they had done. They've been forgiven of their sins, but we're more than forgiven. Before we're saved, we're not children of God. If we're not children of God, that makes us children of the devil, children of wrath. And so just being forgiven wouldn't change that. There's more to it. It wouldn't change us from being a child of the devil to a child of God. You have to be born again. You're born into the family of God. You're a new creation, putting off your old sinful ways. And see, we, we're not just uh, for, forgiven sinners. We're, we're not just barely getting by church people. We're not just holding on to, to Jesus comes or any of the other sayings. We're not just struggling to get into heaven. We are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We are, we are part of the family of God. We're, we're sons and daughters of God, and we're joint heirs with Jesus. It changes everything. The second thing that causes us to, to fail in our faith is the failure to understand our place. Now, uh, I've said this before, and uh, I actually need to do this in my new Bible, but it would be good for all of us as believers to go through the New Testament and underline, draw a box, highlight, circle, however it is you like to do it, everywhere that you see one of the phrases, in Christ, in Him, or in whom. And depending on what version you, of Bible you may be reading, you'll, you'll see different ones, or you'll, you may see a different number, but there's somewhere around 140 times. Somewhere around 140 of those phrases you will find. But we need to know them because they show us and they, they help us to understand our place in Jesus. And if we'll read and we'll meditate on those scriptures, then, then they will become a part of us and they'll change our lives uh, as we live in faith, knowing our place in Christ. A lot of people just don't know their place. So as you read these verses, if you take the time to go through that, Say to yourself, this is who I am in Jesus. This is what I have through Christ. This is where I belong. This is my place in Jesus. See, it's amazing how much less we, we will fear and will worry when we know our place. It's amazing how much our faith begins to grow when we know our place in Jesus. The third thing that causes us to fail in our faith is failure to understand righteousness. 
Failure to understand righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So this is connected to knowing our place in him. We also know our righteousness. When we are born again, not only do we become new creations, but we are righteous new creations. And if that's hard for you to believe, then just ask yourself this question. Because some people, they're, they're okay with saying the sinner's prayer and all that, but they have a hard time believing that now not only are they a new creation, but they're a righteous new creation. So ask yourself this question. Would God make any unrighteous new creations? Why would He, why would he do that? He, he wouldn't do it. If you're born again, if you're saved, if you're a believer, then you're a righteous new creation. We are created by God in Christ Jesus, and He's made us righteous through Christ Jesus. And we are in right standing with God. We're sons and daughters of God as if we'd never sinned. And we can stand in His presence without guilt. We can stand in His presence without shame because of that. We can come into His presence because it's, it's where we belong. It's where we're supposed to be. Our past is over. But what happens when we do sin after being born again? How can, how can we be righteous uh, if we've committed sin, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So when we're born again and we're, we're made righteous, and we're, we're all still subject to sin, everybody in here. And with sin comes unrighteousness. But if we just confess that sin, God is faithful to do two things. He's going to forgive us and He's going to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And once we've been cleansed from all unrighteousness, we're righteous again. It's just the way that it works. We need to know that so that the enemy will stop pulling, uh, pulling tricks on us and stop causing us to fail in our faith. The fourth thing that causes us to fail is a failure to understand our right to use the name of Jesus. John 16 verse 23 says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Now, I'm talking to myself as, as much as anybody in here today uh, when I say this, but when we fully realize the power of the name of Jesus and when we understand what that name can and will do in our lives, in our situations, then we will easily defeat the enemy and live a life of victory. And it's all part of fighting the good fight of faith. It's not doesn't mean we have to go out looking for something crazy. We just have to stay faithful in what God has called us to do. In Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will. And then he goes on and Jesus gives a few of the things that can be done in his name. But what I want you to notice is who it says will do these things. He says believers will do it. That's us. That's us. He doesn't just say that the early church is going to do these things. He doesn't just say that the apostles or, or the disciples are going to do this. He doesn't just say that uh, preachers or prophets or evangelists. He says believers, all believers... See, in His name, all believers can cast out devils. All believers can have authority over evil spirits. In His name, all believers can speak with new tongues. All believers will lay hands on the sick 
and they will recover. That's me and that's you. It's all of us. The name of Jesus has not lost its power. It hasn't lost any power. It has the same power and authority today, and that name belongs to each and every one of us if we are believers in Christ. We have a right to use that name, and we need to know our right to that name to fight the good fight of faith that we've been called to fight. Number five, a failure to act upon the Word of God. A failure to act upon the Word. It causes us to fail in faith. And I'm not going to say a whole lot about this one because I think this is a good one, especially going into a new year, for you to search yourself about. Search yourself uh, about, uh, about how you are about acting on the Word in your own life. See, this is the thing. We hear a lot of people talk about how they believe the Word of God is true, but do they act like it? I talked about this just a few weeks ago. Do we act like it? Am I acting like it with the situation that I'm facing in my life today, with the circumstances that I'm, I might be in? See, if we really know that God's Word is true and we act like it's true, then it becomes a reality in our lives. It changes everything. But we have to act upon the Word of God because when we don't, we're failing in faith in any way you look at it. And see, a lot of people, they'll quote scriptures about uh, healing or prosperity or deliverance or, or whatever, whatever it is that they're, that they're believing for. And, and they'll talk about just, you know, I, I believe in healing. I, and and then, then they'll turn around and they'll say, I just don't understand why I'm not experiencing healing, though. Have any of you ever done that? I've done that in my own life. I'm reading scriptures about healing. I, I'm talking about healing. I'm saying I believe in healing and all these different things, but why am I not experiencing the healing in my life that I'm reading for and that I'm believing for? But the thing is this, we can believe the scriptures all we want. We can believe they're true all we want, but are we acting like they're true? Are we acting upon that word in our lives? Sometimes instead of, it's important what we believe. I talk about what we believe all the time, but sometimes instead of trying so hard to believe the word, we should just be acting upon the word. We don't always have everything figured out. We don't always have everything perfect, but we can still act upon the word. And when we don't, it causes us to fail in faith. Number six, my final one. Failure to hold on to our confession of faith. Failure to hold on to our confession of faith. Romans 10 and 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. What we confess is important. Our confessions are so important because faith is measured by our confession. Remember, we're wanting to fight the good fight of faith. How are you going to do that with a negative confession? Faith is measured by our confession and our, our usefulness to the Lord many times is measured by our confession because eventually what we confess is what we become. We become what we confess. And whether that's good or bad, if we confess it, it's usually what we become. And the reason that many Christians are walking around defeated and depressed and everything else is because they have a negative confession. 
They're constantly talking about their weaknesses. They're constantly talking about their failures. They're talking about how worried they are about something. And so they sink to the level of their confession. It's your choice. You can either sink to the level of your confession or you can rise to the level of your confession. We need to be confessing who we are in Christ and what we have in Christ. Now, have any of you ever uh, had a, a strange symptom in your body and gone to Google? Probably everybody in here. And Google can be a great source. But if you go down any of those rabbit holes long enough, you basically find out, oh, this hangnail could kill me. You know, no matter what it is you've got going on, you might be dying if you keep reading Google long enough. And, but sometimes Google is better than going to the doctor, sometimes. But, uh, so I'm not against going to Google for stuff. But I am a, against going to it to the point that you're defeated with no hope. And so... Uh, my mom, I don't ever give my mom a lot of medical advice because she gives all of us medical advice because she's a nurse. And so we go to her with all of our questions. But I can't even remember what the symptom was, but this was years ago uh, or several years ago. And uh, mom had quit going to her nursing books and started going to Google a lot because it was just faster and easier. But she, I, I, she might remember the symptoms, but she had these symptoms. I come into her house and uh, I was like, what are you doing? Well, I've been looking up those symptoms I've been having. And, uh, you know, most of the time it's nothing. It's just things happen. And uh, she's given me this list of ways she may die from these symptoms. And uh, so I gave her a little mini sermon about she needed to quit confessing what Google said about her life. And she should be confessing the word, what, what the word said about her life. And uh, mom just busted out laughing because uh, that was her way of admitting I was right. Because mom, Jesus, she, she doesn't like to admit when you're right, but she doesn't mind telling you when you're wrong. So if I'd have been wrong, she would have told me. So she just laughed about it. And she said, yeah, I just been on Google too much and laugh, and, and laugh. But there's nothing wrong with looking things up. I'm just saying we need to be careful that whatever we do, it doesn't cause us to lose our confession of faith. We need to be confessing the word of God uh, upon our lives. And it's so important that we fight the good fight of faith because when we do, that's when we can step out of the place of failure and we can step out of that place of weakness and, and we can step into the limitless power of God and all that He has for us. The church, as the church, we need to stop failing in, in faith. As ambassadors for Christ, for our family and for our communities, we need to stop failing in faith. We need to understand what it means to be a new creature. We need to understand our place in Jesus Christ. We need to understand righteousness and that we have His righteousness. We need to know our right to use the name of Jesus. We need to not only believe the Word, but we need to act upon the Word of God. And we need to hold on to our confession of faith that's founded on the Word of God. That last part's really important. It needs to be founded on the Word of God, what we, what we are confessing. And see, so when we do this, we'll no longer be failing in faith, but we'll be fighting the good fight of faith and we'll be experiencing the victorious life. All those things that people are looking to try to get involved with, you'll see that you have victory after victory if you just stay focused on the good fight of faith. You'll take down the giants. You'll tear down the walls. You'll take victory after victory for the kingdom of God by just staying focused on the good fight of faith. What good is it going to do you to accomplish all this stuff and you lose the good fight of faith and end up losing your own place in the kingdom. It's not going to do you very good, very good at all. I was listening to, I like to listen to different sports people talking. And uh, 
Do you ever listen to videos and you can listen to like 45 minutes of videos and then as soon as your wife walks in the room, the person says a cuss word? I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but you can just be listening to, I mean, you can just, man, this video is so good. And then they come in and the person gets mad and says a cuss word. And I can't believe you're listening to that. I wasn't. It just kind of happened. Well, that's how this guy is. But I still like to listen to his stuff because he's, he's one of them crazy geniuses. And he was talking about when he was uh, playing in, a, he was a ba professional basketball player. And when he was playing in a uh, playoff series, and he was at the foul line in the final game of the series, and he missed the two free throws, and they lost. And they're out of, now they're out of the playoffs, so that means he's got all summer. And when he lost, he said it, it didn't even register because he just is ready to play the next game. And he said he was just thinking, I'm going to be in the gym tomorrow. I'm not taking summer off. I'm going to be taking shots all day. And he said his confidence was fine. He just was ready to put in the work and get back next year. He said, until the post-game interview, and every reporter kept saying, how's your confidence after missing those two free throws? You know, that's how church people are. They ask you questions like that. About you, you, you really didn't know you were that Church people are a lot like Google. You really didn't know how bad you were until you talked to them. And they're saying, you know, how are you going to bounce back from this after such a devastating end of that game? And he's just like, maybe something's wrong with me. And so... He thinks about it and he decides, you know what, I'm not going to let my mind go there, but I really want to go there. And so I got to do something or I'm just, this, is, this isn't going to go well for me. So he, he gets in contact with another famous player and he goes to this, this coach, but this is basically a brain coach. This guy was some kind of black ops special something in the military and he, he specializes in, in basically br helping you break your brain down to, to get the most out of it. And so he, he flies across the country to go see this guy. And he's supposed to spend like two weeks with him, but he ends up only spending a week. And, and when he gets there, the guy's up front with him. He knows nothing about basketball. But I'm here to help you win the battle that's going on in your brain. And so he said, okay, yeah, that's what I want. I don't, want, I don't, want, I don't have any problems. I don't want any problems. What do I need to do? And he said, well, we're, I'm just going to, you know, basically get to your brain by going after your body. He says, we're going to start with a warm up. And he said, OK, good. He said, we're going we're to go down to the beach and run and just run a little bit for our warm up. And so he goes down there and he's running with the guy and they're talking and chit chatting. He said, uh, he said, we're going to run till we see a blue house. And so uh, he says about five minutes go by because the guy said it's a warm up. And so he starts kind of looking around and he says, uh, where's that blue house? Because, you know, when you run on the beach, you can see a long ways ahead of you. And uh, he said, he said, I, I'm seeing about a mile ahead of me and I don't see a blue house. And uh, he said, uh, the guy said, don't worry about it. The blue house is there. So he runs a little bit more and he said, now he's, he thinks maybe we ran by it and I was supposed to notice it. So he's looking behind him. And the guy says, if you keep looking for the blue house, this is going to be a painful, long, and painful run. He said, the best thing you can do is put your head down and keep running, looking right in front of you, and I'll tell you when you get to the blue house. So basically, it's keep moving forward and listen to my voice. And so he says he runs, and he said, and the guy, he said the first, the next few minutes, he said, were rough. 
Because even though he's got his head down, he's kind of looking. He wants to find the blue house. And he finally starts doing what the guy says. He's just running straight. And the guy tells him, says, we're at the blue house. Four hours later. Four hours later. He said he would have never thought that he could have ran for four hours. And, of course, then he'd come to find out that the guy considered a workout is you stop when you start vomiting blood or you pass out. That's the two ways you stop a workout. So he, he got his brain fixed and he decided he only needed a week. But, but the point to it is, is like he said, I, if you'd have told me to go run for four hours on the beach, I'd have, I'd have never even started. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to do it. And he said, but when I did what the man said, my brain went to another place and what would have been horrible, the, you know, he said, I still, my, my legs were hurting, my stomach had started cramping and all that, but because I was staying focused on just keeping on in front of me, the time went by faster than I ever could have imagined and I reached the destination and we stopped at the blue house. And see, that's what I think happens to a lot of people when it comes to things of the Lord. We, there's nothing wrong with wanting to do something great for God. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be impressive or any, any of those things. I want to do something great for the kingdom of God. Something's wrong if you don't want to do something great for the kingdom of God. But my focus has to be to keep moving forward and listen to His voice. If my focus is always looking for something great to do or looking for a giant to take down or looking for another fight to go get involved in instead of staying focused on just keep fighting the good fight of faith, he'll tell me when it's time. He'll tell me when it's over. He'll tell me when I've reached the destination that he has for me, not what somebody else has, not what I, even what I think. And we'll probably be surprised, just like that guy running, how much further God will take you if you keep it simple and stay focused on him than if you keep looking for greatness just on your own. It's okay to want to be great, but let your greatness be defined in Him. Quit looking for fights all over the place and stay focused on fighting the good fight of faith. You can trust Him. Just keep moving forward and keep listening for His voice the whole way that you go. So one of the things that Aaron, when he was talking, it was highlighted to me, and I just want to encourage you in this, um, in Mark the verse that he read about and whoever believes these signs will accompany them as I think sometimes when we start reading that list in my name they'll drive out demons in my name they'll speak in tongues they'll pick up snakes they'll drink they can drink deadly poison it won't hurt them they'll place hands on sick people and they will get well sometimes we think how how can I do that but it's like what he said put your head down fight the fight of faith and you'll hear his voice when that moment comes. He can use every single person in here who believes because it's not through our power, it's by the power of Jesus. And the key is in the believing. So don't put all the pressure on you to see these results and to see these things happen. The key is in the believing and he does the rest. So be encouraged in that. Um, I was being encouraged by him in that myself this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are, Lord. Thank you for the power in your name. God, I ask you to please bless Josh, Lord. Please bless Michael. Please bless Liz and Hannah as they go back to school, Father. God, in every way, give them favor. Lord, give them protection. 
Give them favor with people and with you, Lord, in every way reveal yourself. Lord, let them just just see you in everything. Be highlighted, Lord, in the small and in the big. Father, just give them faith to know that you can use them. If you can use anyone, you can use them. Lord, I ask you to please bless them. Father, please touch all of the people who need healing. You said that if we believe, we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. God, I know that the needs aren't because of what we do. It's in the power of your name. So by the name of Jesus, Lord, just let healing go throughout this church body. Father, Sister Lillian, Brother Tompkins, all of the people who are struggling physically with illness. In Jesus' name, we believe that they will recover. Lord, it just takes just that little mustard seed of faith. God, we have that. In your name, I believe in absolute healing, Father. Lord, all of the people who are struggling, Lord, with doubts and fears and anxiety, I ask for the truth of who you are to become real to them in their mind. Father, let no part of their mind be left untouched. Lord, let the wind of the spirit of truth blow through their minds so that they only believe in the truth of who you are that you are good, you are kind, and that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And if we put our eyes on you, you are the author and you are the finisher. The pressure is off if we just put our eyes on you. Father, I ask you to please touch every person here. Lord, as we step into a new year, Lord, just give us a freshness, Lord. I know some of us, there might have been things that have happened this past year. We may be tired in the fight of faith. I ask you to please renew our strength. Give us joy. Lord, where there's joy, there's strength. I ask you to please bring joy. Sometimes we just miss the joy, and I ask you to please bless every single person here with joy and childlike faith that just believes that their daddy is good, and that he has a good plan for their life. Lord, thank you. Thank you that you have encouraged us this morning. Thank you that all of our promises in you are yes and amen. Thank you that you meet every single one of us exactly where we are. We don't have to look to the side to see where someone else is in their journey. All we need to do is put our head down and hear the voice of our Father telling us to keep going, to press forward. Thank you, Lord. Let your sheep know your voice. And let us be able to hear you over all other things because we trust you, and we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.